Going Linux episode 299, Assistive Technology. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback. Our email address is goinglinks at gmail.com and our voicemail is 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, an interview with Kendall Clark of the Sonar GNU Linux Project. Welcome to the show, Kendall. Thanks. I just had my coffee, so I'm good now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've, as always, had our issues in getting the show started, so uh, we are on track for another great show. Why don't you take a few minutes, uh, Kendall, and give us an introduction to you and uh, to the Sonar GNU Linux project. I know we've talked about Sonar in the past, but uh, let us know what's going on. Well, a lot of things have changed since you guys did the last... Uh, Interview, God, when was that? 2014 something? Yeah, 2014. Yeah, I wasn't, I don't think I had joined yet. I can't remember if it was August of 2014 or 15 when I joined, but yeah, I switched to Linux back in 2011, I think it was. Yeah, it was 2011, must have been, because I still had the old HP. And I started off with Vinix, which is an, it's still around, sort of. Yeah. A uh, blind Linux distro that when I when when I switched it was before Ubuntu switched over to Unity and things sort of went way down the hill on the other side of the not nearly as accessible as it used to be but it was before all that so it was I mean I was used to Windows so when you boot a Windows box you get an installer that you can't navigate if you can't see so you have to either memorize the keystrokes and hope they don't change them or have someone who can see it. Okay, click next, click next, click the yeah, accept, click next, whatever. But Linux came up speaking with a screen reader and a speech synthesizer, and I was already used to the way it sounded because the NVDA screen reader for Windows uses it. So I was already used to it, so I could install. And for a blind person, you have no idea how much uh, of a difference that can make because when you can see you don't even have to worry about it but when you have to go did I hit the right button I mean hell with TeamSpeak this morning it was I don't know if you guys know but we were going to do it on TeamSpeak originally but I couldn't focus the accept license button a little eula came up and I couldn't accept the button I could hit that I do not accept and the open in browser neither of which did me any good so we had to do mumble because I because I don't, I don't know what they did but anyway yeah, that's the sort of thing you have to pay attention to when you can't see. And so Sonar is basically like what Vinix was before uh, Unity came along. It's um, a distro that a blind person can stick on a flash drive or a DVD, boot it, comes up speaking. Um, it has a lot of applications already on it. I mean, I could sit here and list them all, and we'd be here three hours, but it's got a DVD, uh, CD burner. It, it can rip CDs and DVDs. It's got an audio editor, a video editor. Uh, let's see here. 
What else can it do? I'm trying to think of the highlights here. Of course, it has a web browser, a usual email client, all that good stuff. But it also has software that's similar to iTunes but doesn't have all the bloat to manage Apple devices and copy things because blind people are big Apple fans for some reason. And so I stuck the best software I could find on there to manage those devices. And you can do all that from the flash drive. You can install if you want to, but you don't have to. That was sort of the idea behind it. Uh, where, whereas with Windows, you generally have to go out and install it. Then you have to go out and get all the software you want to get before you can actually use it. Sonar is not like that. Right, right. And Sonar has a number of other software packages specifically for assistive technology, right? It has a screen reader, and it has a magnifier, if you need that. Um, it also has some fonts designed for people who have dyslexia, which usually means they res reverse letters and numbers. They can't see them as easily. So there's fonts for that. And there's on let's see an on-screen keyboard so if you can't type or can't type well you can turn that on and simply use your mouse to hover over the keys but if you can't use your mouse we have this program called eviacam i believe it's called that if you have a webcam installed or you can install one and you can use your head i'm sort of moving my head back and forth and up and down to use the mouse move the mouse cursor i don't know how you click on things though but you can move the mouse cursor around if you can't move your hands to do it. Right, right. And uh, it's it's built, it is called eViacam or eViacam, depending on how you want to pronounce it. <laughs> right. And uh, they talk about it as head and eye tracking software. So it'll track your head or it'll track your eyes if you can't move your head. Oh, the oh, I didn't know the eyes part. I, I, I knew the head part. I've never actually messed with it because the one time I turned it on, Orca sort of went nuts and went quiet, and I had to sort of fiddle with it. Yeah, I guess uh, the uh, accessibility settings of each of these software programs may actually interfere with one they another. They sort of conflict, I think, because there's yeah. only one accessibility stack, and all of them talk to it, and they, apparently two of them can't talk at the same time, so... Well, yeah, and and uh, I would imagine that most people who are blind won't be using the head and eye tracking software, and most people right. that are using head and eye tracking software aren't going to be using the screen reader. But hey, there there may be those out there who who need both. Uh, if I don't know. they need both and they don't work, then they need to file a bug so they can get fixed because that, that that really should get fixed if it doesn't work. Right. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And just to be clear, I'm not sure that we actually said this, but uh, there are a number of developers of Sonar GNU Linux. Uh, yeah, there you are, three are of one us. of them. Yeah. I'm one of them. Um, there's Kyle Brohard, who is at church at the moment. And there's Jonathan Nado, who was on here before. Yeah. I don't know where he's at. Uh, getting a hold of him is uh, kind of difficult. I mean, you can email him, but. Sometimes he responds and sometimes he doesn't, so it's sort of up in the air. We're we're happy to have you on the show, Kendall. Couldn't be happier to be here. So um, I understand there's a new uh, release, or relatively new release, of uh, Sonar? It just came out, let me think, about a week or so back. We had a bunch of issues. I released a release, let me think, middle of March. And I was patting myself on the back and getting ready to take a week's vacation when, oh, there are bugs that I had to 
release two or three other images to fix. So I couldn't really take a vacation. I had to fix a pretty big one, actually. I messed up the Pulse Audio configuration. I was attempting to configure it to switch over to new devices automatically. I did get that fixed eventually, but when I first tried it, uh, I messed it up. There was a bug, and sound wouldn't work. And for a blind distro for sound not to work, that's sort of like Ubuntu with the screen black. So I had to fix that immediately. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That might be important. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. And I took a little bit of flack for it because the uh, community was like, why didn't you see this? And I'm like, well, it didn't affect me, but apparently it affected you guys and uh, well, I'm not going to just not release a, bu- a release, uh, bug fix just because I didn't get it, so I fixed it, and now there's a release out. Uh, there was also a ton of work. I can't not mention the Manjaro people. For those of you who don't know, we're based on Manjaro, which means we use their repositories and their build scripts to build our uh, distro, which makes it a lot easier because building a distro from scratch is something I can't do. So... Yeah, they do. If we find a bug, they fix it, or they contact someone who will fix it. So they are a ton of help. Uh, This one guy in particular, Bernhard Landauer, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, uh, did a bunch of work that's over my head in G-conf and G-settings, which I barely understand, to make the mate panel bigger and make the icons bigger so people who, who can see or have a little bit of sight... It actually looks a lot more put together and professionally done, whereas before it was just using the default layout, and I didn't know how to change it. So he did that, and he made the font bigger, and a bunch of other things, so now the desktop is using the right background and plays the login sound like it's supposed to. I knew there were the bugs, but I didn't know how to fix them. So he fixed them, did a ton of work, so I wanted to release an image to... Basically say thanks for all the work because it, there was a bunch of stuff I couldn't have done myself. Had no yeah. idea how. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know in speaking with uh, Jonathan for our original accessibility uh, episodes, he had mentioned that Sonar is based on Manjaro and that they contributed quite a bit to the project. They do. Oh, yes, they do. And at that time, I think we're on two, 2014.8. One or point oh one, and now something that's relatively new. That version was based on GNOME three. Now you've got you. You just mentioned the the Mate or Mate version as well. We have both a Mate or Mate and GNOME, so you can pick which one you want. I run the Mate because GNOME Shell, as much as I like it, they took out the ability to change the sound theme and. When I changed, because we have our own custom sound theme, I put one together, and when we changed over, the gnome people, the gnome people who use our gnome release had a hell of a time switching it over, because there's no little button you can click to switch over. You've got to do it via G settings, and that's a whole mess. I don't even, I mean, it's, I, I don't know why they took it out, but in May, there's a nice little, you know, combo box. You pick it, it's done. That's all there is to it. Not that May's better, it's just, I find it easier so that's what i use but i keep both mate and gnome so you can pick which one you want we're eventually going to do a cinnamon if cinnamon ever gets its act together and fixes the accessibility bugs so we can include it because i want to because i know a lot of people like cinnamon 
Yeah, a lot of folks use uh, Linux Mint, which, of course, is the project that developed Cinnamon in the first place. I know when I um, originally listened to this podcast, because I was going to go on it, you had said that they had removed Orca from Cinnamon, and they did. I'm not sure why they removed it. I heard all kinds of rumors. I don't know whether any of it is true that the that they had developer didn't want to include accessibility or whatever. When I talked to him, he said he had taken it out because he didn't think anybody had used it. But he would he put it back when I asked him to put it back. I didn't really have to you know throw a fit or anything. But so Orca is now in Linux Mint, and you install it. The, the desktop still has enough bugs where I wouldn't recommend using it, but it's at least there, so you can use it if you have to. Although it's, it, I don't think it's accessible enough where you can really do a whole lot with it, at least not Cinnamon. The main edition of Man, of course, works fine. Yeah, and I've noticed as well in the Ubuntu Mate version, they've got Orca there yes, ready to be installed. I worked with the developer... Of mate of the Ubuntu Mate when it came out, and I told him how to hook up the keystrokes. So you basically hit Alt Windows, which is super in Linux S, and Orca comes up, and all this all this accessibility stuff is pre-configured and preset like it's supposed to be. Um, this this works in Sonar. It's actually part of Mate now. The only thing that needs to be set by distributions is the keyboard shortcut. Once that's set, it all just works out of the box. Right, absolutely. And I've I've made some contributions to the Ubuntu Mate project and to Sonar as well. And uh, so I, I know the challenges of getting all of this stuff in and working and documented and all of that sort of thing. So uh, I, I certainly think you guys are owed a round of applause for just hanging in there and keeping up with all the development work. The development part isn't too hard as long as you're willing to keep up with it and make sure that you found the bugs and get them fixed. The hardest part of, I think, any distribution is when the Windows people start coming onto your list and start either asking questions if you're extremely lucky or outright complaining if you're not. Usually they highlight me and send emails to me. And I have to reply back, and that usually doesn't go very well because there are some people you can talk to and try to educate, and there are some that you just hit delete. That's all there is to it. Why would they have an issue? Oh, God. I, I can't, if, if I started listening to them, we'd be here four hours. Uh, one guy a couple weeks ago emailed me and said he didn't like all the software Sonar had thought. It was bloated. said it had too much software, and it wanted me to take a bunch of software out. Because it wouldn't fit on his, uh, what was it he wanted to put it on? An SD card or something? Oh, jeez. I mean, it takes up six gigabytes of space with all the software on it. And that's not a lot of space. I mean, hell, it fits on an eight gigabyte stick. Not a whole lot of room, but 16 gigabyte would be better. But cram a bunch of software into six gigabytes for me for crying out loud. A default Windows install, and this is just Windows 10 without any extra software, no screen or no nothing. Takes up eight and a half. So right, he doesn't what, what do really want? have a lot of room to complain here. Actually, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. Oh, is it really? Yeah, um, uh, my base install of Windows 10 uh, was like 60 uh, gigs. Holy Jesus! But I then don't I installed wanna... a lot of uh, software because you know you don't get much with it. No, you don't. 
that was my point. You get windows, and that's it. I mean, you get some utility stuff. You get some... You do get narrator, I guess, if you want to call that a screener. I wouldn't, but it's there, I guess. You get the magnifier. I think you get an on-screen keyboard. But Windows is Windows, you know. If you go under their assistive technology, well, I forget what they call it, access or something, center, you get steered towards buying $1,000 pieces of equipment or pieces of software. So, I mean, what more do you want? I mean, I can, I can make a Linux distro and I can keep it accessible, but I can't keep it accessible inside of a one or two gigabyte. It's just that's how much Linux takes up these days, especially with a desktop on it. Oh come on! You're you're being you're just you're just being mean now. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. That's what the guy said. I, Sonar had too much software on it. Why did I install a CD burner or CD ripper? Who the hell has optical drives these days? I think was his exact uh, message. Wow. Well, you know, if you think about it, if you install, uh, you know, Sonar has all this software out of the box, and it's what you said, six, six point one exactly. Okay. I installed it last week. And uh, but think about it. if you, you install Windows 10, then you install a browser, then you install Skype, and then you install Mumble, and then you install. Right. You start installing stuff. You just, I mean, you know, you're going to install Gigabytes. iTunes. Gigabytes. Oh it's yeah. Just, and it just, it just eats it up. I'll give you not even that. What about all the Windows updates? And then the upgrade to 10 point, what is it at now? 10.1514 something, something. I mean, the updates are not even, I don't even want to mention the updates. The, they pile up too on top of that. Oh, yeah, they do. Uh, and there's, uh, I, I'm one of those people that uh, I always wait, a, you know, one or two days after an update comes out just in case there's a problem. Right. And, uh, Windows 10 you know, can only put it off so many times until it makes you. It update. will do it, yes. Yeah. Uh huh. It will. I've actually, I mean, um, I'll go on record. When it came out in July, was it? When was it? July last year, something like that. All the blind uh, community went absolutely ape. You know, oh my God, it's wonderful. It's the greatest thing since president. All right, I'm gonna download it. I'm gonna try it. I didn't activate it. I didn't illegally crack it. I just didn't activate it. I just installed it. I think I made it three days, and I said, how the hell can anybody use the – I mean, it was just – there were there were bugs on top of bugs on top of bugs. I The screen reader could only help. I had to re – I had to restart the screen reader four or five times before it would focus on the settings panel so that I could go in and change some of the settings. And that happened every time I restarted the thing. I, I, I didn't make it a week, and I said, uh, I've had enough of this. Wow. So – uh, what what software do they want you to buy? Jaws? Yeah, I think. Uh, Jaws. Let's see, what is it? Jaws or Windowize? But I think I, I think it's actually Jaws. Now they have this thing. It's it's uh, supposedly a swell deal. That if you have a Office license, I don't know who who the hell would use that. But anyway, if you have an Office license, you can get a copy of Windowize for free with a whole bunch of strings attached, as long as you don't mind that. But Windowize is a I think a seven or eight hundred dollar piece of software just on its own. That doesn't even count the upgrades that, that you have to pay for every time they come out. Ooh. Yeah, that's what. Um, if I go into this too much, I'm going to rant. But blind people seem to have this. There's an industry around us that seems to like charging four and five thousand dollars for 
an ARM device running an embedded version of Windows that's all running on, oh, I don't know, four, five-year-old hardware, if you're lucky, if not several times more than that, six, seven, eight-year-old hardware, and that's just for the original piece of hardware. Then you got to pay for the software upgrades. So I sort of got out of that when I switched away from Windows, and when I hear people going, because there was this new device that just came out, it's a tablet, an Android standard Android tablet, with their proprietary ultra-patented piece of software on it, and they want $4,000 for it, and it's running on Android version 4. Let me think, 2. And they want me, me to pay $4,000 for that. I wouldn't pay that. If I wanted that, I'd just go get an Android tablet, use the screener built into that. I'd never pay that much for a piece of off-the-shelf hardware. Wow, I didn't realize they were that that expensive. I knew they were expensive. Yeah, they're bad. I didn't, real, I didn't realize they were that expensive. So, so I guess blind people have lots of money. No, they don't. What they do, uh, the lucky ones, get a what? Uh, there are government agencies. The abbreviations there's like the NFB, the AFB. Uh, there's DARS, which is the standard government organization for blind. Let me think here. Blind, deaf, blind, handicap, any disability you can think of, they lump them all in, put a bunch of overworked uh, people in to deal with them. You can imagine the atmosphere you get when you go in to try to, try to get a piece of equipment with an, or, an organization like that, especially with the government handling it. Yeah, that's the lucky ones. If you aren't lucky, well, you're just screwed. That's basically all there is to it. You don't get the hardware. You don't get the software. Uh, sayonara. Good luck. Yeah, and of course, for our listeners, uh, what uh, what Kendall just listed were some of the agencies in the United States. I know there are other agencies in other countries that may do similar sorts of things, but I'm sure they have the same sorts of uh, uh, challenges as our agencies here in the U.S. And blind people and other people with other disabilities are going to face the same sort of challenges in getting software and applications and being able to use a computer as a result. Wow. Well, see, I wouldn't be nearly as apt to rant. I know people, I'm a rant-type person. I get an idea in my head, and I don't want to let go of it. But I wouldn't be as apt to rant if these agencies would support Linux because I switched, and I use it, and it's a you know free, accessible option. But I swear to God, I, I've talked to these people. It's like talking to a brick, you know, Windows, Mac, Windows, Mac. I think they're just opening up to Android, even though that's technically Linux. I don't really think it counts because it's a Linux kernel with Google stuff on it, and that doesn't really count. And that's about all there is to it. You talk to them, they – good luck, and they kick you out the door pretty much. They don't want to hear it. Yeah, I th – I think, you know, in my experience, uh, a lot of these folks who provide services and software focus on Windows and Mac because they perceive those as the most uh, well-adopted operating systems. Either that or they just don't know that Linux exists. But as Linux becomes more and more popular, I see that changing a little bit. Whenever I run across a website that's not Linux-compatible, uh, or services that are Linux compatible, I will write a, a a nicely worded little note letting them know that they should make their site accessible for uh, Linux users. And 
you know, oftentimes because I'm not blind, I can't tell from an accessibility software perspective whether or not it's accessible or not. But if I do notice that they haven't enabled alt tags or other simple sorts of things that are obvious, I'll I'll call them out on that as well. Uh, I I empathize with you though. It is a challenge to try to get folks to pay attention to these issues. It's not just a challenge to get people who don't use Linux to pay attention. It's also a challenge, although not, not nearly as bad a one, to get the Linux community itself to pay attention because a lot of you guys can see and not – I mean you two are one of the most supportive of blind people and disabilities in general that I've seen. But a lot of the sighted people – I have to explain to them the kind of stuff we have to go through before they get it because they're, they're just like, don't you people know how to use computers? Isn't there a government agency that takes care of you people? I mean, why do I have to put up with you? Well, that's a, that's a kind of a frightening uh, attitude to have. It, it um, really is. It's not – I mean the, the Linux community – I should be clear about this. The Linux community has never pulled that last one, but – Couple days ago, or a couple weeks ago, I walked into a library. I was going to get a, I was going to try to get an audio book of a new book that had just come out, and I said, "Hey, I want this book," and they and they showed it to me, and I'm like, "That's a print copy. I can't read. Where's the audio book, uh, sir? We don't do audio books. Uh, we don't have audio books, and I mean, I don't have much vision, but I could see a shelf of them about two feet away from me. And I said, "What about those? Those are audio books." Oh yeah, those are audiobooks, but see, we don't order new copies. We we have what we have and that's it. I'm like, then what am I going to do? Can't you just go on to isn't there a government website you can go on to and get audiobooks for free? Do you really think that's how the world works? I don't get books for free. You know, the whole idea that the government agencies take care of people with disabilities or any other thing is it's the kind of attitude that is just flat out uninformed, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a long, long list of caveats. They do take care of people like us, but you have to be going to school or you have to be working a job that they approve. And practically the way it is these days, you have to work in a job that they set you up with and someone from their agency contacted whoever you're working for and did all the work and did all the paperwork because otherwise you tell them where you work they look it up on their computer we didn't set you up there sorry we can't do anything for you next yeah when you're dealing with the government i'm sure with government in any country unless you fill out the paperwork and you do things in exactly the right way that they have determined to be the way to do it they'll oftentimes just dump you because you didn't follow procedure that's uh, part. That's partly why I got into Linux because I came about it uh, a couple months before I switched away from Windows. I'd started hearing about it, so I started looking it up on the internet. Oh wow, there's a whole OS I can use. Won't cost me anything. Uh, when I originally switched, it wasn't for the open source thing. I figured that out after. But I'm like, oh hey, it's free. Doesn't cost me anything. Downloaded a, I think it was a DVD at that point. An image of Linux install, uh, put on a disk, put the disk in the computer. It booted up and it talked. Wow! Uh, like I said in the opening, it's a huge difference. I mean, it went to a desktop with an installer icon. I could actually use the OS without installing it if I wanted to. I'd never been able to do that before either. 
because originally it was boot into install or install, set it up, install your screen reader, and three hours later then you can use the computer and hope Windows doesn't interrupt you whatever you're doing to install more updates and shut down on you, which it had a habit of doing. <laughs> yeah, those those <laughs> those interruptions for Windows updates are off. And and more importantly, the interruptions to reboot your computer after the update. Yes. That's that's tremendously disruptive. If you were lucky, your screen reader would focus on the little hey, we just installed updates. You need to reboot dialogue and you could tab over to the not right now, I'm busy button. But if you weren't lucky, which usually you weren't, it would just reboot because it assumed you're okay with it. Hey, what the? Hey, hey, I was busy. Hey, it's done that, and I've I've been typing uh, uh, out some show notes, and it just restarted on me, and I didn't even see the prompt. So, <laughs> I'm like, well, apparently, Man. it's just not blind people who get subjected to that because I thought it was just us. I'm like, well, I didn't see the dialogue. Oh well. Nope, it's not just blind people, and it's not just Windows people. OS 10 does the same thing. Oh, does it? See, I actually no. bought. I bought a Mac, a used Mac, mind you, for my birthday to put Sonar on because I was getting emails. Hey, I'm trying to put Sonar on my Mac, and it's not booting. And I'm like, I tried the various steps. Did you check the ISO MD5? I had to explain what an MD5 was. I had to explain how to check it. Okay, that worked. It's still not booting. Well, I don't have a Mac, so I have no idea what to tell you from here. So I bought one. It went on there like butter. Put it on the stick, hit the right button when I booted the computer. Ten minutes later, Linux. No problem. <laughs> yeah. I hear there are some that do. Uh, my Mac apparently was not one of them. Yeah, it depends on the the, the model. Uh, I have. Oh boy. I, I have a. Uh, actually, I'm recording on a Mac right now because I'm too lazy to turn on my Linux machine. Hey, Bill, you're not Shh. supposed to say that. <laughs> well, you hey, can edit it out. If it had gone badly, I'd have been talking to you from Windows. So there. I mean, <laughs> at least I was able to use Linux and mumble. But I, I was thinking I was going to have to use Windows uh, Seven and Teamspeak, and I just I thank thank God that didn't happen. Oh, now come on, Teamspeak. I have to give Teamspeak some uh, some kudos. They do have a lot of support for Linux and OS X and Windows and everything. I'll give I them that, but I have to take away some points for not making the stupid accept button accessible to a screen reader. I don't know whether I just didn't do something right, but I literally could not get to it. And I tried every trick I know to get to it, and I could get to it and click on it, but clicking on it did no good, and I just couldn't figure out how to get past it. I even tried keyboard shortcuts. There were no shortcuts that would activate it. Well, I, I'm going to actually send TeamSpeak uh, developers a message about it because that that would I think they'd be open to fixing it. But yeah, I, I don't think they intentionally meant it, so you could. I yeah. got it. I just wish they'd open source, and I'm sure there's all kinds of nice, legitimate reasons why they don't. But I wish they would. Yeah, and you know we have uh, a fair number of new users to Linux that listen to our podcast. So just to back up a second, so Teamspeak is some audio uh, software that allows you to talk to one another and record, and uh, you can use it for gaming. And I think that's one of the areas where it's probably most prominent. And uh, the software that we're using right now is Mumble. 
Which is the same thing, isn't it? It's basically the same thing uh, in terms of the way it works and its purpose. Uh, Both of them are, you know, they have Linux clients and you can run your own server and those sorts of things. But Bill and I use, um, and I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Kendall, to get your, your side of this. But Bill and I normally use Skype for our recording for the podcast and most of our communication. We're not using that, and we're specifically not using that for a reason. Can you fill us in? Yeah, I uh, Skype and blind people, okay, uh, Skype and Linux blind people specifically, they don't go very well together. I can explain why. Skype is, at least on Linux, I have no idea what it's like on Windows, but on Linux it is a 32-bit program. And it is written in Qt4, and Qt4, to make those apps accessible, you have to install a plugin uh, called Qt at Spy, which is a bridge between Qt and the accessibility stack in Linux. There, It's available in just about every Linux distro you could possibly mention, but you have to install it. It will not be installed for you if you don't. You might as well not use that app. It, it it will not talk. Orca will not see it. It will not be able to be navigated at all. And only the 64-bit Qt at Spy is available in Arch and Manjaro and Sonar, which is what Sonar is based on Manjaro, which is based on Arch. So the Qt at Spy in the repositories is 64-bit only. There is no 32-bit. I've tried over and over to get – first it was Arch. They turned me down flat. They're honestly the the community, or at least the experience I had with it, was not nearly as friendly as some other people say it is. Uh, their Manjaro people kind of gave me the same answer, not nearly as bluntly, but they basically said you only need it for one program. Why should we package it? I mean, I even told – because Qt at Spy is not maintained anymore. Everything, most things have switched over to Qt5, which doesn't need it. But there are a few – Skype is literally the only one that needs it. Every other Qt4 application is 64-bit, is either open source and thus can be rebuilt, or is 64-bit so it doesn't need it. So we can't use Skype to do this because it's not accessible. If I were using Ubuntu or Fedora, we could do it. But I'm not, so we can't. It's it's as simple as that. So so the basics of it is unless you know the secret uh, software package, you are able to install it. You know the right secret incantation to to invoke it. <laughs> you can't use Skype. And- yeah, to a new user, you might as well not use it because if you bug us people who support you enough about it, we are going to stop being so nice and start being a little bit blunt and uh, just use Mumble. Just save us all a lot of time and use Mumble or TeamSpeak or anything but Skype. Yeah, and you know, with uh, with all of Microsoft's uh, recent avocations that they are supportive of Linux and are much more open to open source than they've ever been in their history. Uh, 
Skype is one of those software programs that just doesn't get enough attention to make it useful on uh, on Linux. They've uh, gotten the Windows version out of sync with the Linux version. What are they? Three versions, ahead, three release, three numbers ahead of us? Yeah, and that wouldn't be so bad, except that some of the features don't work when you're talking between Linux and uh, Windows machines oh, using boy. Skype. So it's going downhill. So, Bill, you and I, we, we may have to switch, uh, you know, kicking and screaming, but we may have to switch. Well, if you switch, and be prepared to start getting rudely worded uh emails and texts and whatever from windows people are saying to use skype it's the greatest thing since sliced bread etc etc use your usual windows rant because i've had to justify myself so many times i could <laughs> recite it in my sleep they do not care you could ex explain and explain and explain and when you're done they'll go use it anyway yeah. Well, that's all right. Yeah, we uh, never rant on uh, going Linux ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh -oh. And we never get complaints. Oh no, never. Oh. Yeah, right. No, oh, never. Wow. All of our listeners are perfect angels. They are always extremely polite and never give us a hard time about anything that we do. Insert canned music here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah insert canned music. <laughs> Believe me, I've gotten nailed on. Just about everything, so <laughs> yeah. With uh, another uh, hostile email, there just sends it to me. I'll just uh, if I get them, I try to hit delete occasionally. I'll have an un um, unresistible urge to look at it and write something polite when I really feel like writing. You know, half a dozen swear words and then hitting a new line and half a dozen more, and you know. Hey, you got to have a thick skin when you help make a distro. I figured that out. I wish I hadn't had to learn that, but I figured it'd be a lot easier making a distro. But, man, you get all sorts of complaints when you're the somebody they can complain to and who might actually take you seriously instead of telling you to go pound sand. We don't know anything about that. No, <laughs> not at all. End of sarcasm. So uh, getting back to Sonar, though, uh, it sounds from your description like there have been quite a few updates to Sonar as a, an operating system and some of the applications as well. What's what's in the future for, for Sonar? Well, a, a lot of the big changes has have already happened. Uh, f um, middle of last year, Manjaro decided that instead of using – okay, this is going to sound extremely geeky to some of you uh, – binary deconf blobs, basically a bunch of zeros and ones, um, what we would do is we would go and ch set all the themes, desktop themes, icon settings, set up Orca, set up the screen reader, make everything look nice, make everything sound nice. We would copy a little binary file into the spot it was supposed to go, and if anything happened to get screwed up in that binary file, all our settings would go to hell in a handbasket, and we'd have to figure out what we screwed up and fix it. So instead of having to do that, which was a ton of work, and nobody really understood how that binary file worked, the Manjaro people figured out that you could put an override file, which is a big text file full of the right keys. And don't ask me what a key is. I have no idea. It's a big set of uh, slashes with a location in it. Um, big text file full of those. 
in the right spot and the file would be generated when you started the image. So instead of having to decode a bunch of ones and zeros, we go through a text file. It's still not quite as easy as I would like, but it's better than editing Windows Registry, I'll give you that. So it makes our lives a lot easier. So if the we had an issue where the background wasn't showing up, well, I looked at it. And it was using a PNG extension instead of a JPG. I fixed that, and the background worked again. So that was a lot easier than the way it would have done before they made that change. That's the most geeky one. The rest are a lot easier to understand. Um, I beefed up Orca settings. I sped it up. It's not quite as slow, and it, it's still a little robotic. Ro robotic. I can get into the robotic voice in a minute, but... I sped it up. It's a little bit faster. It's not quite as slow. I turned off some of the punctuation settings. You're not hearing period and comma and everything every time it speaks. And I turned on some of the tutorial messages. So if you don't know Orca and how it works, when you hit land on an icon or a button, it'll tell you what to do instead of just expecting you to know what you're doing. I figured it, it would make it friendlier for new users instead of having to email uh, a link to the Orca user guide so they can go and look every couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's that's really helpful when you do things like that. It's just little things. Um, I'm kind of surprised they weren't done when I joined Sonar, but they weren't. And I might not have done it if I hadn't gotten a couple of emails from people and I figured I better turn those settings on so they could figure it out themselves instead of... I mean, I don't mind helping people, but there comes a point that... When I give them the same link to the same document over and over and over, after a while, I'm just – I think I'll turn this setting on. It will help them out so I don't have to do it. I don't mind helping people, but I also have to work with other developers and coordinate with the Manjaro people. And sometimes I just get so busy doing the work of, say, 10 or 12 people that sometimes I forget to answer emails and – I've had a few people give up and quit because they weren't getting a response from me in time and they thought I didn't care enough. So I I try to do everything, but I, I just need more people doing what I do, I guess. Yeah, so with that in mind, with uh, you and Kyle and Jonathan being the three principal developers here, maybe the other two have gotten into the background a little bit more. Have you stepped in? I have basically, I mean, when I joined, Jonathan Nadell was doing as much as he could. Kyle was doing as much as he could. Sonar wasn't dead, but it was kind of limping along. It wasn't dead, but uh, th th there were two people only able to put in a little bit of time. And I stepped in, and for those of you who don't know, I get a check from the government each month. That's my money source anyway. Uh, so I have all the free time in the world unless I'm somewhere. So I have basically nothing to do all day except work on sonar. I can help all day. That doesn't mean I will help all day. I have other things I like to do, so I try to balance as much as I can. I generally put in at least three or four hours on it a day. So it's not as though I have a steady job, but I think the other developers do. So they can't work on sonar all the time. So they have a lot less time to put in. When I joined, I had a ton of time, so I put a ton of time into it. 
Well, yeah, and we certainly appreciate that for sure. And, uh, you know, if if there are any of our listeners who want to help you out, how would they get in touch with you or Jonathan or the project in general? Well, we run a mailing list. Let me think. Uh, we have a website, sonargnu.linux.com, and there's a blog on there. I think there's also a contact page. There's, of course, links to the mailing list. We, we, our mailing list is pretty active. It's not spammy. There are a couple of spam users, but it's not like you're going to get four or 500 messages a day from it. You might get, oh, let me think. The absolute most I've ever seen in the day is like 20 messages, and that was... That was back when the new Blindy device came out, and everybody was going, "Oh, will it work with Linux?" And you know, when whenever it's a really active topic, but usually it's just a couple of guys asking help and me answering, and then it's it's quiet. It's not real high traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll have, of course, a link in our show notes to the sonarganulinux.com website and there is a link at the top of the page for contact us if you want to get on the mailing list yeah definitely uh we uh we need all the help we can get i'll get into this in a minute but um for those of you who can see linux is a lot more a lot um, there's a lot less to think about than when you can't because when you can't see if there's a bug in a program you have to contact the program or the you know find the bugs website. Usually it's Bugzilla, but there are others like there's Launchpad and a couple others. Then you have to file a bug. It's usually an accessibility bug, and if you're lucky, there's an accessibility you know combo box or option you can pick. If you're not lucky, then you have to wait for the application developer to contact you back usually to say I have no effing idea what you're talking about and you have to explain this is an accessibility bug if you are lucky there will be at least one person who knows enough about how accessibility works to fix it if you're not you will get a nicely worded email back saying thanks for following the bug we don't have any idea how accessibility works on anything, so we can't fix it. Good luck. And that's about it. I file bugs against three desktops at the moment. Gnome, Mate, and Cinnamon, although Cinnamon's sort of stalled at the moment. I don't think anybody has done a whole lot with it. Um, I basically went on here not only to talk about sonar, but to attempt to get people interested in accessibility because me or myself uh joan marie who does orca who writes that's the screen reader she develops it single by herself and i think she has a couple of people who help translate it also but if i had to estimate the amount of people who make linux accessible and keep it that way i'd say something like eight at the top five or six if you're not lucky the whole stack from the low-level guts that make everything work to the screen reader that speaks of course there are speech synthesizers and stuff like that that are usually cross-platform but the main guts there's one or two people on each team that make everything work so we need a lot of help because i could 
tell you the amount of times I've filed a bug, and I get a response like, we don't know how to fix it. We don't have any idea how it works. Sorry. If you can get someone, maybe you can pay somebody to work on it, as if I have a lot of money to spend. Not to mention, I don't know if there's anybody out there who takes money to, fi to fix accessibility bugs. I don't know of anyone. Yeah, I think that uh, unless you're part of the community uh, who needs accessibility software uh, or you're involved in one way or another, like Bill and I are, you're just flat out not aware of the issues and that there is a problem, quite frankly. And so to some degree, I think one of the things that, that Bill and I can do is bring some visibility to the issues. And one of the things we can do around that is to have folks like you and Jonathan on the show here to highlight the, the challenges that you have. Right, exactly. That's why I've been reaching out to podcasts lately. Uh, I first tried reaching out to the Linux Action Show, and they didn't respond. They didn't say no. They just didn't respond at all. So I went looking for other podcasts to get on because I've I tried for about a year and a half on my own. You know, I figured if I just filed the bugs, that's what I kept being told. It's an open source community. You file the bugs, they'll get fixed. Well, I filed the bugs and filed the bugs and filed the bugs and filed the bugs, and a few of them got fixed, and the rest of them didn't. And I quickly, I quickly figured out that was not going to work. So I started trying to raise awareness instead, hoping that if enough people got involved, I could stop hearing, well, if you just pour a ton of money into it, it'll get fixed. Because I, I started to get that, and I got really tired of it because I don't have any money to pour into anything. Well, it sounds like the the last step was to get involved yourself, and it sounds like you've done that. Right. Um, there's always so much I can do, but I'm trying to get people who aren't normally into this sort of thing involved because when I first switched over to open source, I, I, reached, I reached out to the Windows using blind community because it was what I was a part of when I switched. That did not go well at all. Uh, you might as well, I mean, I to say I was rebuffed would be polite. Uh, it was more like I got thrown out of the door on my head would be more accurate. They didn't want anything to do with me. I might as well not exist. Uh, I was a traitor and had switched over to something else, so they weren't going to have anything to do with me. You would think that with Linux being no charge and the software on Linux being no charge, including screen readers and all the other software that we've been talking about here, that uh, blind users and other people needing accessibility software would jump all over it. I've been wondering about that for years now. I mean, I've gone over and over and over and over it. It doesn't cost any money. The alternative OSX is supposed to come with at least a screen reader and I think magnifiers I, I think it comes with some accessibility stuff but a lot of the ex so-called accessible apps are locked in the app store and there they are whatever the company wants to charge for them so it might as well be another Windows ecosystem uh, I do own a Mac but it runs sonar so I don't know how much they cost, but I imagine they're not cheap, at least not cheap by our standards. So people should, if nothing else, for the money, jump all over Linux. 
But the reception I've gotten when talking to blind people about Linux is something altogether different. If I can't give them everything they want, uh, every single thing they want, instantly, it's not worth anything to them. They don't want to put any work into it. They don't want to file the bugs. They don't want to do anything. They want a Windows they can stick on a flash drive and carry around from computer to computer. Uh, they want it to automatically detect everything, hardware, software, uh, install all the drivers. They don't want to have it. They want everything done for them, and that's never been how Linux has worked. It's gotten a lot better than it used to be. When I switched, it was a lot better than it was a decade before, but it's never been the automatic install everything type. And when I explain that to people, they uh, they lose interest completely. I try explaining to them open source. They don't want to hear it. I try explaining how easy it is to improve stuff if you just – I mean just use the program. If, if stuff doesn't work, report it and it gets fixed. They don't want to hear it. I don't understand it. I've never understood it, but that's generally what I've had to deal with. I don't know. Do sighted people do the same thing, or is it just a disabled thing? Because my reception uh, – there is a Linux blind community, and they're real – they're like me. They love Linux, anything to do with it. But outside of that, I don't want anything to do with it. I mean Windows, Mac, no, no. You can't talk to them about Linux. They don't want to hear it, period. Yeah, I don't think it's a, a a blind person issue, a blind community issue. The same sort of thing hell, uh, occurs with sighted people and anyone else when it, when it comes to Linux and open source software. There's the the camp that understands it and loves it and wouldn't move away from it, and then there's the other side that is completely oblivious to it or just doesn't understand it and. Uh, my thought is it's the classic resistance to change issue, uh, maybe amplified a couple of fold. Could be. I was sort of hoping Windows 10 would change that, but it seems to have made it worse because instead of Windows – I mean I used it, and I couldn't stand it, but apparently from what I've read about it, it fixed a bunch of the bugs that Windows 7 and 8 had supposedly had, and uh, uh, e e even though it still is Windows and it still honestly sucks, it's Windows, and that's all that counts. Apparently, I I, I don't know. You're all right. It's not. I don't think it's a uh, disability group issue. I think it's just people issue. Uh, I've had I've had the same thing. Uh, Larry has heard me talk about people that. Uh, that I've helped to install Linux. Oh God, I've done that. They 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 uh, don't want anything to do with it if I can't give them everything they want. And I mean, even though there's alternatives or whatever, and then I have to support it for the rest of my life, and I just don't have the time or inclination to do that. I have the time, but I don't have the inclination. I don't know if I'm unique, but I will help people to a point. And it is a pretty hard point, and if you pass that point with me, do not ever talk to me again. I will not help you. I will help people and help people and help people to that point, but past that, uh, there comes a point where I either cannot help you or you have annoyed me to the point where I don't want anything to do with you, and 
I will start deleting your emails and pretending that I have gone deaf when you talk to me. Sort of what Larry does to me. I annoy him all the time. It's alright. I didn't used to be that way. I mean, uh, I helped a guy switch to Linux a few months ago. And he was, he, he really wanted me, I really didn't want to help him, but he really, 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 really wanted my help. So I took, oh, three, four hours, helped him install Fedora. Helped him get, I mean, Orca set up, you know, Alt-Windows Alt S worked out of the box. Helped him set the rate, the pitch, yada yada. Even walked him to the installer, which Fedora's installer is not bad, but it's one of those modular ones where you have to go through certain steps before you can do the next. And that confused him. But anyway, I let him through it, did all that. I'm going to shorten this a bit so we don't take three hours. He got it installed, set up, then he wanted Skype. Well, I really, 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 really did not want to help him install Skype, but he bu he begged and he begged and he begged and he absolutely would not. I tried every other mumble, uh, uh, Lin phone, uh, let's see here, uh, TeamSpeak. Let's see what else did I try? Lin mumble, Lin phone, TeamSpeak. God, I I think that's it. I I think I tried a couple others that weren't really accessible, but anything to avoid Skype. Well, no, no, he had to have Skype. So. I Skype wasn't in the repos because you know if Fedora is with free software, they won't and they won't have they they won't put closed source stuff in their repos other than firmware. So I had to go to Skype.com, go down in the combo box, done with the RPM, had to walk him through installing the RPM because at that point it wasn't click and install like it is now. It happened right after that, which bugged the hell out of me. But even any, any anyway, I got it installed. He was all excited. He was talking to all his friends. I was in a good mood. I hung up. Well, two days later, he'd gone back to Windows. After all that effort, he went back to Windows. I forget what his excuse to me was to placate me because I was not happy at all. But after that, I'm like, I will never help another person in person install Linux ever again. I got burned, and I will never do it again. Hey, uh, Kendall, can you help me install Linux? Okay, you're a Linux guy. I don't see you inst going back to Windows in two days. I'll do it. I have a hard enough time staying on a distro. Yeah, one of the things, though, Kendall, I, I certainly understand. I get frustrated as well, you know, helping people and then having them turn around and abandon everything that I just helped them do, even though they were begging to have me help them. But one of the things that I've noticed, uh, and I don't know whether it's a recent trend or just something I've just noticed, but um, a lot of people who try Linux uh, will try it and then there's something they don't like or there's something that doesn't work the way they expect it to. And they'll leave it. And sometimes they'll leave it for a year or longer. And then they'll try it again in their own good time. And when they try it that second time, it becomes a little bit more accessible. And they may abandon it again and come back to it again. And then it sticks. Sometimes I think people just need to go back to experiencing the way things were before Linux, understand that there is an alternative out there, and then come back to it when they're ready. You know that's that's actually a good uh, good way of looking at it because this guy just I mean I normally take a lot 
a lot of disappointment before I get burned, but I got burned that one time, and after I mean, I think it was the effort that did it with me. I had to help him with everything. He didn't know how to do anything, and he wouldn't listen to me attempting to explain how to do it, and I know I had to be there and do it. And then after all that effort, I, I, I don't even remember what the reason was, but whatever it was, it clearly wasn't good enough for me because, oh man. Yeah, I I hope that trend continues because another thing that I wanted to talk about, and I hope I don't take up six hours, but was Chrome adoption. Uh, uh, I know a lot of sided people use Chrome, yeah, both on let's Windows talk about and Linux. That. Yeah. Chrome isn't accessible on any platform at all except for Google, Android. It's not accessible out of the box on anything else, not Linux, not Windows, not OXS, nothing. There's a reason for it. It's not a very good one, but it, there's a reason for it. Google, I don't know why they did this, but they have decided that the way to make Chrome accessible is to use their add-on, which is basically nothing more than a screen reader in a browser that reads the browser. We, and uh, as bad as that probably sounds, it's even worse because you cannot use the, the voices that are installed on whatever system you happen to be running it on. You have to use their voices to do it. And I don't know whether they're open source or not. I, that, that's a different issue. But it's, it's, it's the old approach of... Uh, in the 90s when I was growing up, you had to have a dedicated everything for blind people. You had to have dedicated uh, devices to take notes because there was no way to make the computers talk to do it. You had to have dedicated devices to print out Braille because – well, you, you still kind of have to have that actually, but they were a lot bulkier back then uh, because the computers couldn't do it. They, they still can't. Um, you had to have dedicated printers to print out the Braille because the regular printers couldn't do it. That's sort of the old approach. Um, you had to have dedicated software to read a browser. I don't, I don't like that. I can go on and on about it, but I'll, I won't. If you're going to make a piece of software accessible, make it accessible with the screen reader that already comes with whatever OS you're running it on so that somebody doesn't have to go out and get a separate program that might stop being developed whenever the hell Google feels like it, because you know they can do it, and they might. I don't, I don't know whether they will, but they could stop developing this add-on, and then we'd be up a creek, because we wouldn't have any way of accessing it. There, That is the only way to access it is through that add-on, and those voices. So if those voices stop getting developed too, we get up a creek that way, because then the program doesn't talk and we can't use it. Yeah, Google does tend to abandon things that aren't uh, fitting in with their models. So at any time, they can stop support for things. And I wasn't quite honestly aware that Google Chrome was such an issue for blind people. It's Chrome. It's not just Chrome. It's Chromium, too. So not even the open source version escapes it. Uh, How about Firefox? Yes, Firefox works perfectly. Firefox, well, I wouldn't say perfectly, but I'm going to say 99%. There's a couple of bugs. They're minor, but they are there. There's pretty much bugs in everything, at least when it comes to accessibility. So, yeah, Firefox, uh, the Edge thing that comes with Windows 10, I think, is partially accessible with the free and open source screen reader that comes with 
uh, well, doesn't come with it, but you can download for Windows. Uh, of course, IE is, assuming anyone would be stupid enough to use that nowadays. But yeah, as far as Lynx goes, it's Firefox. That's it. There are forks, like there's IceCat. There's, what was that other one? Ice, Ice Weasel? Ice Weasel, I think. Yeah. yeah, that's the Debian fork. There's SeaMonkey, which I use because it combines Firefox and Thunderbird for email. It's accessible, too. So you have that, but that's the only downside to Linux. Sometimes, not often, but sometimes, we only have one or two programs we can use for things. Usually it's not the case. 90% of the time it's not, but there's that one corner case. There's uh, there's only one accessible audio editor. It's called Audacity. There's like one or two, one accessible video editor. It's called, what is it? I don't know. Pi to, Pitivy? Pi? Oh, God, that's a mouthful. I think I can't it's even, Pitivy, yeah. The, uh, anyway, there are others. They look great. They're open source, but we can't use them. So there are only – I mean there's those corner cases. The rest of the time, we can use anything you can use for the most part, but sometimes we can't. And when we can't, the Windows-using blind people are happy to jump in and say, just install Windows. It just works. Well, I'm here to tell you it doesn't just work if you cannot see if you don't know the right software to install, it doesn't work any better than anything else. In fact, it's might, might as well be a paperweight. You can't use it. The built-in screen reader for Windows works enough to set it up to go through the setup screens. And then you have to install another screen reader to be able to use it because the built-in one is so slow and the voice that it uses sounds really nice sounds like a humans sort of but is i mean so hungry on resources that you you need to install something else unless you can put up with the lag long enough because it can't support all the applications it can support the basic ones that come with windows but that's it you have to install another thing to use it and linux at least sonar at least comes with all that so you don't have to do that yeah, and that's one of the things that I like about Sonar is uh, for all of the people out there that need this accessibility, not everybody needs all of the accessibility tools that are built into Sonar. But the one nice thing is, regardless of the fact that yeah, OS X comes with some accessibility software and Windows comes with some accessibility software, uh, and certainly any Linux distribution out there has accessibility software available for it that you can install. Sonar has done the hard work of installing it all, making sure that it all works with the operating system and it's as integrated as you can get it without, you know, additional work. And the, the level of integration of accessibility software in Linux in general is pretty good. Uh, obviously, there's more work to be done, but Sonar has taken it to the next level and ensured that what is installed out of the box works out of the box. I, I do have a question for you, Kendall. Are you always looking for programs uh, to add to make things easier, or do you just like to stay with what I'm always on the lookout for easier or more accessible programs. If I find a program that's easier to use than something I have in Sonar, I'll rip what I have out 
and stick the replacement in as long as it's not limiting. There were a couple. I, I, I was going to stick a different CD ripper in. Uh, it was called Sound Juicer than what I have, which is called Asunder. When I actually got it and installed it, it worked okay, but the button to rip the CD wasn't ex wasn't focusable. You couldn't just tab to it. You had to sort of come at it from the side by using the screen review and click on it with a mouse. Or click or simulate a mouse oh, click, okay. sorry. So it was almost accessible, but I didn't want to put something in there that I would then have to explain, well, here's how you go into screen review mode and here's how you click. Because it, inevitably I would get somebody who would go, Windows doesn't need that. You just focus it. Windows works. And I, and I get so sick. One thing you know about me, if you listen to me long enough, I hate Windows just works emails. I hate Windows just works anything. I get them all the time, and I hate dealing with them. Well, the reason I was asking is uh, I ran across a uh, new uh, text editor. Oh, did uh, you? Really? What's it called? Yeah, it's called Atom. A-T-O-M. Atom. And okay, I'll look into yeah. that. What, what is it? Yeah, it's a hackable text editor. For They say this is what their tagline says, a hackable text editor for the 21st century. A lot of plugins you can download for it. Uh, Right from, the, but I don't know if it's accessible or not. It seems to be pretty. I like it quite a bit. I'll definitely install that as soon as I can and look into it. Yeah, I'm always looking for stuff to add and replace. Uh, one thing I'd like to add eventually, once it fleshes out, if this, I don't know if you've heard, it's the what is that, Mike? Mycroft something. I've heard of it. It's supposed to be the open source answer to what do you call it? Siri and all those other things. Oh, yeah, okay. Mycroft is the project, yeah. Uh, I don't think anything exists yet except a bunch of code. Uh, I don't think anything is built into any of the desktops and there's no app you can install yet. But I'm watching it to see if it actually develops because one of the things I tried to do when Windows 10 came out was to figure out that Cortana thing, and I just couldn't. I, I, I couldn't get it going. I'm sure there's people who can. I couldn't, and I didn't want to spend all day with it. I tried a few times, couldn't get it going, and gave up. Of course, that's Windows for you, so I don't know if that means – it. I don't know whether that means Windows isn't good or I just wasn't patient enough. But I'm hoping to add speech recognition into Sonar eventually once – it's good enough. I I tend to be very picky about quality. I will add something into Sonar if it's beta, but it has to be enough where a new user could at least figure out how to get started with it. They may not be able to use it like an expert, but they should at least be able to find it and turn it on and fiddle with it. I try not to put in code that's so unstable that people have to incantation in the command line with the right switches. and I, I try not to make things that are too experimental before I put it in sonar. Yeah, we all appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely important. It's important for sighted people. <laughs> for those of you who haven't gotten bored with me yet, sighted people can use sonar. You can turn off the accessibility fairly easily and use it. I don't know why you'd want to when there are other distros out there, but you can. It's not as if you can't. It's just it's configured to come up talking and if you need a special font i think there are i make sure that there are easily easy buttons and keyboard shortcut that you can hit to turn all that all those things on gnome is a little more 
uh, point and click than Mate is, but Mate has a little universal access menu you can go to, so there it's easy to find where to put, turn stuff on if you need to or off. But sighted people can use Sonar if you want to. Yeah, and Sonar is is not just an accessible uh, operating system. It is it is a full Linux operating system, like you were just saying, and it's usable by anyone. And I don't know, I you know I'm fully sighted, and uh, although my uh, eyes are getting a little older <laughs> um, as as time marches on, uh, I do find myself making use of some accessibility software like a screen reader. Uh, so that I can have the the computer read me stuff when I'm doing something else, or I use a screen magnifier to um, help with instructional videos. Uh, sometimes just magnifying the screen will help. So there are a lot of applications for accessibility software uh, for even those people who don't have the classic need for that accessibility software. So sighted people can make use of a screen reader just as easily as anyone else. And also, just so everybody knows, if you want to help and you're sighted, they'll take your help. Yeah, we're not going to turn you down because you're not blind. This is an an exclusive uh, club or anything. A lot of our users, of course, do have some sort of accessibility thing or other. That's why they came to Sonar. But it's not as though we screen people for disabilities before we, I mean, take help. If we did that, we wouldn't have, I mean, I wouldn't be getting help from the Manjaro people. And Joan Marie, I don't think she is disabled in any way. And she works on Orca, and I do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of bug reports and stuff for that. So it's not exclusive to disabled people by any means. Would it be fair to say, Kendall, that if there's a software developer out there that has an application they're developing for Linux and they they need some help ensuring that it is accessible, that they could approach someone like you to take a look at it and uh, eventually, if it's good enough, in the end, you might just include it in Sonar? Definitely. You can either, I mean, you can either approach us on the Sonar team. Uh, there's another blind distribution called Vinix that I switched on. They're still around. You can talk to either one of them. I mean, there, it. I hear a lot of complaints every day that Linux accessibility documentation is too hard to get a hold of. I don't know how good it is because I'll be completely honest with you. Most of that stuff is over my head. I can't you. I can't understand the documentation enough to parse it but if you're a developer and you write in something like gtk or qt you probably have the knowledge to at least read it and understand it i'm not so i can't but yeah either talk to one of us there's an, an orca list there a, a lot of distros have accessibility lists i know ubuntu has one sonar has its own mailing list gnome has an accessibility mailing list i mean there are tons of resources but if you absolutely want a central uh place for it gnome has an accessibility page I don't know if you guys would be willing to find that i i'd like to say it's on gnome.org but I think I looked, and there's no easy way to get at it. Um, there's an accessibility wiki on it that has all the links to all the documentation, all the technical stuff you might need. 
I don't have it offhand, but maybe you guys could hunt it up. I mean, it's it's like a Google search away. I don't. I just wish I had the the long URL right offhand. Yeah, don't worry about it. We'll we'll track it down and we'll include it in our show notes. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, if you really, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you will really want to make your program accessible, you can do it. But this isn't as though you can just type it, talk into your microphone, bring up accessibility docs, and it's going to come up magically on your screen. I'm sure if you're an open source developer, you know that. But I've seen a lot of people who have come into Linux over the past couple of years who they hear about Linux and they hear about open source and they hear free Windows. And that's about all they hear. So they use Linux and when something doesn't work, they're used to being able to hit a figure my problem out for me button and have a nice little tutorial that has a fix it button that they push and it does all the magic for them i don't know if windows or osx works like that linux has never worked like that i keep i keep hammering this point in because if i don't i end up having to hammer it in over email and they get frustrated and quit so i try to do it when they meet me so they don't expect magic I mean, com- computers, no matter whether it's Windows or OS X or whatever, have n- aren't magic. They don't work like that. They have to have instructions telling them what to do. I hope that doesn't turn people off, uh, but I mean, it's not like computers are hard. It's just that there isn't a magic, easy solution to absolutely everything. Well, you know, that's not exclusive to Linux. The the magic fix-it-for-me button doesn't exist in Windows or, or uh, OS X any more than it does in Linux. I break stuff all the time. <laughs> I know when I switched over to Linux. Sorry, I, I do that. I broke it. I couldn't tell you how many times I would try to install something from Git or I would try to in- compile source code. And people would warn me, don't do it. You'll mess it up and break your system. But if I broke it, I could just reboot from a flash drive, come up with speech and install. So it. I had that safety net that I never had with Windows because if I broke Windows, I had to do days of work over and over, left over just to get back to where I was. And then if I broke it again, I have to do days more work, and it was just so much more work. Yeah, uh, I think there's a perception of whatever operating system you are used to using seems to be easier to use because you know all the workarounds, all the tricks, all the things you have to do to make it work. But there are just as many problems with every single operating system out there. And it's just a matter of getting familiar with it and using it. So for our listeners out there who are just trying Linux for the first time, don't get uh, frustrated. Just continue to persist. Yeah, it, I mean, give it a fair shot. I mean, I don't know whether many of you can remember your first computer, but I'm guessing when you go into the store... You didn't try out the display models that were laid out in front of you and said, this thing sucks, I'm not paying for it. You had enough knowledge of whatever came on it, which was probably Windows, enough to, oh, okay, I could use this. And you bought it and you carry it home. But if you had had problems with it, it's not as if you can take it back to the store and say, I can't use this, give me my money back. Cause they're not going to give you your money back. They're going to tell you you bought it, your your SOL on that one. I mean, if it broke, they might, but Linux is a little different. 
you could try it, and if you absolutely hate it, I don't know why you would. But if for some reason it just didn't work, you could shut it down, take the flash drive out, and you'd be back to whatever you had on the computer as long as you didn't install, and you wouldn't have ruined anything. Right. Absolutely true. Well, Kendall, thanks very much for being on our show. It's been great having you here. Is there anything else you want to let our uh, listeners know before we uh, yes, I'm glad bid you, you adieu? I, I just thought about that before you left. Uh, Kyle, since he couldn't be here, uh, he wanted me to tell everybody, and I should have mentioned this before I got sidetracked as always, uh, Kyle sells computers desktops and laptop or i'm not totally sure about the laptops but he also sells arm boards which are which is a different architecture that a lot of smartphones run on that are pre-configured to run linux on the desktops he uses sonar but our sonar doesn't run on arm yet but i meant to mention this manjaro which is the distro we're based on is eventually going to add support for arm to the architectures that it run on they're in the early stages. They're trying to get all the packages together and make sure everything works. Once they do that, Sonar will run on ARM devices just like it does on standard desktops and laptops. So you, so you would download a Sonar image and put it on your device. I think with ARM, the boot process is a little different. I don't really understand it. I need to look into it. But... As I understand it, certain devices like the Raspberry Pi and Banana Board and I think a couple others need special images. So you guys who are listening don't have to worry about that. When Sonar gets ARM support, we'll take care of all of the my device needs such and such image for you. So that if your device can run a generic image, it will. If it needs a special one, we'll let you know. It's it's not as if you're going to have to understand a bunch of hackish stuff to be able to uh download it so i wanted to mention that that will come i have absolutely no idea when i mean i i couldn't even guess but when it happens we'll of course post to the mailing list blogs on the website i might even come back on here if i can to mention it so i wanted to let you know that that's all coming in the future but i don't know when Okay, well, we'll certainly look forward to covering that on our show when that happens. So you're welcome back anytime at all, Ken. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I love talking to anybody about accessibility, but especially Linux, because it, uh, when I'm talking to Windows folks, sometimes I have to be a little bit more – what's the word I'm looking for? I have to edit myself a little more than usual because they tend to get indignant. Linux, why not Windows? And then I have to go into that. So I get to cut a lot of that out. I love talking about it, Linux and accessibility with anybody, but especially with you guys because you're Linux users. Well, I won't say that uh, Linux users don't get indignant about <laughs> going the other direction too. So, <laughs> Do they? Oh, yeah, every once in a while. Uh, well, but, uh, yeah, anything else we should be talking about or anything else you want to mention before we let you go? Just that Linux is a sort of equal opportunity OS. I know a lot of uh, companies and um, 
computers are using Linux these days, and sometimes they tend to con they tend to concentrate more on what their particular device can do, and completely cut out what runs it because they assume nobody cares what runs it, and they focus on the shiny buttons. But Linux can meet any need as long as there are people around who will make it do it. I mean, Linux is no more magic than anything else. There ha it takes people to maintain this stuff and to keep the stuff working. And oh, I I want to close with treat your people nicely because they're a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us do it without getting any money out of it. Some of us get paid for it, but a lot of us do it for volunteers. And if you yell at your volunteers enough, they eventually well, screw this. I'm going home. I'm done. I mean, if, eventually they get tired. So, I'm um, not that you guys have done anything. I'm just treat your just if you have a question, email. If you have a complaint, at least try to phrase it nicely. Don't rant at your volunteers because eventually they will get tired of hearing it and will not want to volunteer anymore. I um I say this because I'm getting a little thick. Uh, I say this because the last sonar image that I released, um, a lot of the volunteer, a lot of the comments weren't nice at all. Um, I got comments like, "This is useless. You can use this as a paperweight. It's of no use to me. Um, why do you bother? Why don't you just use something else?" Uh, let's see, and. Some of those were from my own list members. Of course, some of them were anonymous. I don't know who they were. But some of them were from people who've been on the mailing list who said that after um, – let's see. The last image before this one was 2015.4, which I think was released in October. It took me six months of work, and not just me but other people, to get sonar out. And those are the kind of comments I got because I guess I messed up and not everything worked perfectly and I didn't catch a couple of the bugs that were released. So I got really bad comments and I don't get paid for this. So I do it because I want to, but I can't take relentless criticism and keep on going or I will quit. Well, that's well said, and at least from Bill and me, I think you and the whole team of volunteers are doing a fantastic job, and uh, we appreciate your efforts because it's it's definitely needed. Yeah, you guys do a good job, and so you just keep up the good work. I'll definitely keep going. Um, I'm passionate enough that I think that'll keep me going, but... Some days the comments are nice and some days they're not. So as long as I have people like you two to help, I can keep going. I'm, I only said that because I was kind of shocked. My own list members said that, so I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really sad when that happens. But you have to remember that the, the negative people are the ones that are oftentimes the most vocal and the people that are completely satisfied and extremely pleased with what you're doing won't say a word. And you oftentimes miss the kudos that you otherwise would 
receive. And uh, right, I, I think you're doing a good job. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to look at it because um, I do that. Um, I will not say a word about something because I love it, and there's no criticisms to make. So I will generally not write a kudos email. When I actually do take the time to write one, I get responses like, why didn't you write this earlier? And I'm like, well, I loved it so much I didn't see a problem, so I didn't write one. I have a bad habit of writing an email only if there is a bug or if there's something that doesn't work right. I'm just as guilty of that as everybody else, so I'm no different. Yep, I think we all tend towards that as well. So, um lesson for our listeners uh if you like something going on with a project make sure that the uh project leaders and the project contributors know that you like it so that they keep putting in the effort that is making your life better definitely i can't say that enough especially to this show because i don't know how popular it is but when I listened to it, it was like one of the best shows I've ever listened to, and that you know, that counts TV and movies and all that because there aren't very many podcasts out there. At least in my personal experience, a lot of the podcasts I've listened to, uh, at least lately, tend to focus a lot more on what brings in the sponsors and what brings in the money and what brings in the ratings rather than helping people. Uh, some stick to it like you guys have, but some don't. And uh, it's a lot rarer to find helpful podcasts than it is to find, hey, welcome back to this podcast because we get paid for it, so we're going to keep making it. And if we stop getting paid for it, sorry. I mean, I, I can't f uh, phrase it enough. Uh, more helpful podcasts, more, more helpful people, period. Well, thanks for the kind words, and I keep doubling uh, Bill's salary, and he still makes nothing, so I, I'm not sure what we can do about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, I want to raise. We lost you, Bill. I, yeah. I, I said I, I want to raise. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, his connection cuts out on the word raise. There's some suspicious yep, yep, about I, that. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't hear you, Bill. What, what was that again? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ouch. Kendall, thanks so much, um, and we we really appreciate you being on, and you're welcome back anytime. No problem. I'll definitely come on again. I'll tell you that much right now. Great. You're welcome anytime. Bill, that closes out our uh, show for this time. Our next episode will be a listener feedback episode. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. If you like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux Podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.